0: All right. I kept pressing the unmute button, had to press it about 10 times, I think. So uh, but I I think everybody can hear me at this point, Lord willing. Let me share some content, get the PowerPoint up. Into our hands the gospel is given. What Matt read just a moment ago, and you're hearing First Thessalonians two four. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. We have been entrusted with the gospel. What a profound concept. And I want to piggyback on the song just sung to develop the lesson for this morning. First, a brief announcement. Sarah Cody, who is the Santa Clara County Health Commissioner, is expected to make an announcement in the middle of next week, middle of this week about further inroads into stage three of the county reopening process. Really, she's been dragging her feet with this and with the recent uptick in COVID cases, I expected maybe not to hear an announcement for the rest of the summer. So this is a bit of a surprise. I found out just yesterday and a brief announcement was made the day before, but uh, there'll be a full-blown announcement in the middle of next week. And I'll be surprised if this doesn't impact churches, because we're in stage three and I've been a bit frustrated with this whole process, frustrated with officials, both at the state and county level in terms of the reopening process. I am frustrated with some of the inconsistencies It seems to me that churches are not valued very highly in this society. When liquor stores, bars, and abortion clinics can open but churches can't, somehow our values are are mixed up. But nonetheless, stay tuned because the reopening process, at least the beginning stages of it for churches looks to be impending. And so we'll be making some announcements probably very soon. And in light of that, uh, as we've said before, we're not going to to open up in in full right away. There will be stages even for the church. But I do believe that there are opportunities before us to combine both our online efforts and some burgeoning face-to-face efforts, which will increase our opportunities to share the gospel at a time when many Americans are frustrated by so many things going on in our society. There's so many levels of frustration on so many uh, fronts that I believe it's a blessed opportunity that we have been entrusted with, as well as the gospel, to bring up what Jesus can do for people at a time like this. We sing a lot of songs that were composed by people of varying religious backgrounds or at least varying denominational backgrounds. And the song that we just sang was actually composed by a member of the Church of Christ. Ruth Johnson was born on the last day of 1900, December 31st, 1900 and her married name is Ruth Johnson Carruth. She was born in, in Vashti, Texas, reared at Bellevue, Texas. As a child, she liked to write poetry. Prior to getting married, she taught one year at a little one-room schoolhouse in New Mexico, and then married Roy Carruth, who was a World War I veteran, injured in the war, and because of his injuries, he, he ended up for one reason or another becoming a preacher. And she was a, a poetry writer and, and pu- published a, a book of poems as well as many hymns. And she collaborated at least three times with a fellow hymn writer, Tillett S. Tedley. If you look at some of the old hymn books like uh, uh, Sacred Selections, for example, there are many, many hymns written by Tilad S. Tedley in that book. And she collaborated with him at least three times, and this is her most famous work. Into our hands. She wrote the words Tilad S. Tedley wrote the medley or the, the, the uh melody. And uh, it was copyrighted in, in 1939, and, and uh, at least got out there in in the published form by 1943. And and so she passed away in 1985, at uh, almost 85 years of of age. Their son Vance also became a gospel preacher. But I'd like to dovetail on, on the words of this hymn the very first stanza says swiftly we're turning life's daily pages swiftly the hours are changing to years how are we using god's golden moments shall we read glory shall we read tears aw tozer has well said we have much to do and little time in which to get it done or the famous fourth century preacher, one of the most famous preachers in the early church, John Chrysostom said, it is better to lose anything than to lose time. We can recover lost money, but time is irretrievable. The great theologian Augustine said, time never takes time off. And so our years pass and they pass seemingly very quickly. Psalm 90 verses nine and 10 say, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or if by reason of strength, 80, but their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away swiftly returning life's daily pages swiftly the hours are changing to years and then the next phrase how are we using god's golden moments we read in our class this morning ephesians five, fifteen, and 16 look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of your time because the days of are evil That's literally redeeming the time or buying back time. You you cannot literally do that, buy back time already spent. But it underscores the idea that we need to use to the very full the time that we have because it's soon gone and, and we're not promised an unlimited quantity. So with that in mind, shall we reap glory or shall we reap tears? The law of sowing and reaping is so important in in every area of life. In Galatians 6, 7 and 8, we read, Let no one be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I've used a a little bit of my shelter at home time for the last few months doing some sowing. We have a a few trees in our backyard and so we have an abundance of oranges, lemons, even a few pomelos and grapefruits. But I've sown some cantaloupe and cucumber plants and they've just come up and sprouted up big time. I'll tell Andre in the middle of the day, I need to go water my babies, but uh, we, we ought to be reaping some cantaloupes and cucumbers pretty soon. But on a much greater level, a much more important level, given the limitations of time that we have and the gospel being placed into our hands, will we reap glory or will we reap tears? What's at stake is so much, so much more important than cucumbers and and cantaloupes. Shall we reap glory? Shall we reap tears? The second stanza underscores the need for the gospel. Millions are groping without the gospel. Quickly they'll reach eternity's night. Shall we sit idly as they rush onward? haste let us hold up Christ the true light. Andrea told me when I I told her I was going to preach this, she said, I I don't like that second verse, don't like the word grope. And uh, this goes back to maybe the, the, the meaning more common in days gone by to fill one's way blindly or to search in uncertainty. There are millions of people trying to grasp Happiness and meaning to life in all the wrong places. And so they're groping, feeling their way blindly through life. And quickly they'll reach eternity's night. And with that in mind, we need to share the gospel with them. Paul says in Romans 1 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Quickly they'll reach eternity's night. And so with that in mind, we have Second Thessalonians chapter 1, which is multidimensional in its meaning. I shared that passage last Wednesday evening. It's really a passage about comfort for Christians who are suffering in the face of adversity and persecution in light of the coming of christ which brings all of that to an end but embedded in that passage is a warning about non-christians those who do not have god those who've never obeyed the gospel and so beginning with verse 7 to grant relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the lord jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Millions are groping without the gospel, Quit quickly they'll reach eternity's night. Shall we sit idly As they rush onward, haste, let us hold up Christ, the true light. Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter eight and verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. We read in John, the third chapter, verses 19 and 20. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says in verse 4, in their case the god of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving lest they should see the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of christ who is the image of god he goes on to say for we proclaim what we proclaim is not ourselves but jesus christ as lord with ourselves as your servants for jesus sake for christ who said Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And once again, what was read a few minutes ago in your hearing during the class this morning, Ephesians 5, verses 11 through 15 or 14. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Or anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Shall we sit idly as they rush onward? Haste, let us hold up Christ, the true light. Stanza three underscores the value of the soul. Souls that are precious, souls that are dying, while we rejoice, our sins are forgiven. Did he not also die for these lost ones? Then let us point the way unto heaven. In Matthew 16, 24 through 26, We read that Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Or what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't know. Maybe this is a, a generation which knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. What's the most important commodity on the face of the earth? It's a human soul. They're precious, all of them. Who can put a value on a soul? And yet Jesus has died for, for every single one of them. We're going to study. The book of hebrews beginning wednesday night and one of the key passages in the whole book is chapter 2 and verse 9 but we see him who for a little while was made a little lower than the angels namely jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of god he might taste of death for everyone He died for us, but did he not also die for these loved ones? Then let us point the way into heaven. The marching orders of the church is the great commission. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i've commanded you and behold i am with you always even to the end of the age souls that are precious souls that are dying while we rejoice our sins are forgiven did he not also die for these lost ones then let us point the way into heaven And then the chorus, repeated over and over. Into our hands, the gospel is given. Into our hands is given the light. Haste let us carry God's precious message, guiding the airing back to the right. Do we realize what's at stake here? Our lives intersect with hundreds and and even thousands of people over the course of a lifetime. And eternity hangs in the balance. We read in James 5, 19 and 20, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Eternity hangs in the balance, and this life is so short. It's temporary. It's a probationary period, life on earth, with eternity waiting for every single one of us. We have opportunities to save souls from death. And so into our hands, the gospel is given. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. I cannot recommend to you the movie Schindler's List because of some content issues. But you can Google the ending of Schindler's List and go to a platform like YouTube or, or similar platform and, and watch the last five minutes. There are snippets galore that are, are safe and family friendly. That movie, uh, produced by Steven Spielberg, is based on Thomas Kenny Alley's novel, Schindler's List, 1982 novel, that in turn is based on an actual historical figure, Oscar Schindler, who was a very wealthy uh, entrepreneur and he was constricted constricted by the uh, Nazi forces to produce uh, bombs in a factory in in, uh, Germany. And um, he uses that opportunity as a front to save as many Jews as he possibly can. In fact, he risked his life and fortune to save as many Jews as he possibly could. And in these last five minutes of that movie, uh, this this role is played by Liam Neeson. You have hundreds of factory workers lined up on the outside of the factory as he's about to step in a car and drive off. And they present to him a little ring. I think it's produced by uh, gold from their teeth, if I'm not mistaken. and he is humbled by their gesture and he he can't cannot speak at first and he begins to cry and then he says i didn't do enough i could have done more i could have done more this car Why did I keep it? I could have sold it and saved 10 more lives. Stupid diamond pin. Even that I could have sold and gotten enough money to save one more life. And he repeats himself over and over. I could have done more. I could have done so much more. And I'm preaching this this morning. So that you can minimize your regrets that is so much infinitely greater I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some into our hands the gospel is given into our hands is given the light. Haste let us carry God's precious message, guiding the erring back to the right. If you're subject to the gospel, I hope you also will realize that time is short, that is quickly turning, and that your opportunities are few. And we would urge you to take advantage before it's everlastingly too late, just as we would encourage each other to take advantage of opportunities before they are gone forever and ever.